My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical libricaburgalist. Welcome to 2023. Yes. Yes, we've done it. First episode, 621, is the first episode of 2023. Yay. What does it mean? Not really anything. It's all made up numbers on a calendar, right? Who gives a shit? <sighs> uh, okay, so, uh, you know, a fair amount going on in terms of... Uh, just me throwing things out into the internet. Um, been doing uh, good on the long plays. Uh, as of yesterday, I moved on from a recording Fallout uh, New Vegas, finished that, wrapped up nicely and a neat, tidy little bow. Uh, one thing I did in that playthrough, which was kind of fun, um, was every time I saw a book, you know, not 100%, but probably in the 90s, uh, I would pick it up and then sort of bring it home and store it. And then in the last episode, because of course this is the librarian fallout new Vegas RP long play series. Um, I had a mod that put a library in the town of Novak and a bunch of quests there. I would actually recommend that mod in general. It was, uh, it was, you know, very fleshed out and, and cool. I think there was one broken thing. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, for the final episode, I took all those books I had accrued over the course of the playthrough and uh, brought them to the library. And that's sort of how we, uh, we ended it, uh, ended the, uh, the series. Um, uh, just, you know, days after that happened, hopped into the new game that I decided I'm going to play, which is Baldur's Gate 2. Yes, uh, I got the enhanced edition on steam there, which, uh, you know, dabbled in a little bit, but never really, uh, fully did. And, uh, I'm one, no, uh, two episodes in and having a lot of fun. Uh, what I did was, uh, created the librarian, of course, because, you know, he travels via book from realm to realm, AKA from game to game. Uh, but then I also, uh, created because you're able to create multiple characters for your adventuring party that you must gather before venturing forth. I should mention, um, I created some, uh, uh of the librarian's old, uh, Skyrim, uh, companions. So we've got the professor, of course, professor Benjamin, I always forget his last name, doom. I want to say doom for some reason. Uh, we got Ella, the huntress, and of course the luggage. Uh, and then I saved, um, some slots for, sort of in-game NPCs. Right now I have Minsk and Aerie, um, but I'm looking for, you know what? I'm going to open that right now. Um, Baldur's Gate 2 Companion List. Yeah, I'm going to open that for myself. Uh, because I want um, someone who can wear armor, because right now Minsk is the only one who can wear armor, and, you know, just sort of a big beefy person of some sort. So, you know, I'm going to look into that one when we're done here. Uh, but first I've got a fair amount of that to talk about because I haven't recorded in a while. Uh, let's start with a rewatch of a movie. Yes. From 1994, the mask, if you can believe it. Yeah. I wonder when the last time I saw the mask. So 94, how old would I have been? I feel like I would have been right in the the sweet spot. Let's see. 1994 minus 1981. Whoops. Numlock. 
1984 minus, whoops, <laughs> oh my god, uh, 1994 rather, minus 1981, what am I doing wrong here? 1994 minus 1981, enter, 13, so it would have been, oh yeah, that's a perfect age to see the mask, it's PG-13, no less, it really snuck in there. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the mask, one of obviously Jim Carrey's early roles, bank clerk, Stanley Ipkiss is transformed into a manic superhero when he wears a mysterious mask. Uh, also have Cameron Diaz, which I believe may be her first role and Jesus Christ where her like initial scene, it must've done something to me as a 13 year old boy, because it was like, it's so ingrained in my brain. Uh, that's when, when that scene happened, I'm like, Oh, like Jesus Christ. This is fuck. Um, okay. So that was the highlight <laughs> of that scene. The rest was, I will admit, uh, I guess I'm old <laughs> because it didn't really hold up. I feel like the mask. Um, I feel like if you were to watch this with a 13 year old and sort of experienced it through their eyes to some degree, perhaps your enjoyment level would be higher. Um, so you know what, uh, convoluted rating as I like to do from time to time, hell, most times, um, if you are a 13 year old boy when I was, oh yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be even more specific when I was a 13 year old boy, I gave this movie a five out of five. Now that I'm a 42 year old boy, uh, 41, almost 42. Uh, I'm going to go like two. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of, yeah, there, there was not much that I necessarily cared for. Sorry to say in the mask. I don't think it holds up. I think maybe there's other Jim Carrey movies of this era that would hold up better, but, uh, I kind of felt like this wasn't one of them. Okay. You know what? Let me just do the movies first and then we can move on to TVs. All right. From 2021. Uh, oh yeah. This is the one that's. Huh. I don't know. It's weird. I have, uh, it almost looks like dead pixels on my screen. Okay. But then they go away. Weird. I think it might be something from, because it's on two of my monitors and it's in the same spot. So it's gotta be uh, but two different websites. That's weird. Okay. So that's a behind the scenes pointless thing that I'm talking about in here. It's like a line I'm use I use uh, opera for my, uh, my web crawling <laughs> web crawling. Um, so maybe it's something with that. Interesting. Anyways, from 2021 bingo hell. Mm-hmm. In the barrio, I don't, you know what? I'm going to look that up. I don't think I've ever seen that word before. Barrio means like, uh, town barrio Spanish word. That means quarter or neighborhood. Oh yeah. Never heard that word before. Uh, in, in the uh, barrio of Oak Springs lives a strong and stuttered, stubborn group of elderly friends who refuse to be gentrified. Their leader, Lupita, keeps them together as a community, a family. But little did they know that their beloved bingo hall was about to be sold to a much more powerful force than money itself. A powerful force in the form of Richard Brake, 
who uh, you probably know, may not. I feel like he might be one of those actors who you may not necessarily know the name, but uh, will probably recognize. Um, Rorschach, for example, Freddy Krueger for a time. Yeah. Oh, there's that line again. Hmm. Uh, anyways, <laughs> sorry, it's very distracting. It's just like a line on my screen on two of my monitors. Uh, maybe it's on the third one as well, but that one's not on because it very rarely is. It's only on when I'm playing D&D mostly or long playing. Uh, so watch this with the missus. Obviously, uh, I say obviously because a horror movie, uh, and B, she loves old people. <laughs> <laughs> just like a genuine love of, you know, little old ladies and little old men, the literal, the, the, the more little, the littler, the older, the better for when it comes to the missus. So, uh, uh, she, uh, you know, I didn't have to talk her into it too much, a little bit because of the name is a little weird and she doesn't like a little weird despite being married to me. I know. Right. Um, if you've seen the movie Needful Things, based on the Stephen King book, um, this is very much that. Yeah, it's a very similar picture. Uh, 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 you know, Richard Brake in the role of, uh, uh, you know what? Who was in that? Uh, what was his name? Was it Christopher Plummer? Needful Things. From 19 Max von Sydow, that's who it was, uh, in the role of Max von Sydow. Um, and instead of, you know, little trinkets and wishes granted, it is money and wishes granted and all for the purposes of evil and devilly stuff. Uh, I would say if you're going to pick one, I actually probably prefer, maybe it's, you know, nostalgia and I don't think it's known to be a, an amazing film, but I would uh, prefer to watch Needful Things myself. And, uh, I think I could probably talk the missus into watching that at some point. Yeah. Bunny Bedelia. Got Max von Cito. Ed Harris. Yeah. He was a cop on that. Yeah. That's making me want to watch that. William Morgan Shepard. Oh yeah. What was he? Uh, he was in a lot of stuff. He was in a star, or I think a couple of Star Treks. He was in the undiscovered country. Clean on commander. Oh yeah, he he ran the the prison, the uh, the the ice prison, didn't he? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, he's 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 uh he's very good. He, William Morgan Shepherd. Oh, died in twenty nineteen. Oh, that's sad. Uh, probably an actor, not dissimilar, uh, to uh, Richard Brake, who you may not know the name, but probably would recognize. Okay, so rating wise. I'd go a solid three, which, uh, if you're unfamiliar with my rating scale means I enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. Uh, moving on to from 2018, I think we're alone now. Ah, the apocalypse proves a blessing in disguise for one lucky recluse until a second survivor arrives with the threat of companionship. Yeah. Um, the stars, uh, Peter Dinklage and Ellie Fanning. Uh, wow. Yeah. I guess that is like the whole cast. Paul Giamatti and, uh, Charlotte Gainsborough. Berg. Berg. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing I like of this is that the fact that, oh God, uh, Peter Dinklage is a, uh, you know, little person. Is that the right term now? I think it is. Um, and if it's not, I apologize. Uh, I try to be correct and I hope that I am. 
period. Um, that really kind of doesn't come into play. Like anyone could have had this part. And I do uh, sort of like that fact. Uh, the, the, sure, they comment, comment on it from time to time a little bit. And his personality is obviously sort of... Uh, suits this scenario because of that because the the small town that he lived in maybe didn't treat him the way uh you know any human being should be treated let's just say uh but uh it, it's not sort of a focus of the film or the character which you know good good for them i'll say um this was I think I may have invented, not invented, added a new categories of movies uh, for myself. So, uh, you know, long time listener, you know, we got probably the most classic one is Sunday movie. Movie you're going to watch on a Sunday that sort of fits that relaxed, laying in bed vibe. You got a uh, guys, I put guys in quotes, guys movie. It's got to be dumb. It's got to be action. Uh, movie, you know, uh, what's a good example? Red Heat. That's a perfect example uh, Schwarzenegger and Belushi together at last why why is that a thing why is it good because it's bad a guy's movie um this category that I have created for this and I've had a few of them now uh is movies to watch when you get up way too early and you think you're probably not going to be able to get back to sleep so a little wordy I think I one day I woke up at like three I'm like oh god I could get up but I really don't want to get out of bed but I don't think I'm going to be able to get back to sleep I got to do something let's find a movie and this is a very of all the categories of movies that I sort of have in my brain this is a very hard one to pinpoint I feel like it has to be maybe the word is understated wow that just sort of hit me yeah it has to be a very understated not too flashy not a tremendous amount of things happening at all times. Like you can't watch an action movie. Although there is, I suppose a little bit of action on this. Um, yeah. Uh, 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 movies in which there's not a lot of characters. Yeah. I, I think that would help f to fit into this category, but it's a, it's sort of as with all things, whenever you're quote unquote judging media, it's very nebulous and it's very personal. So, uh, that makes it hard to describe, obviously. Uh, okay. So I think that's it for movies. Oh, rating. Yeah. I actually really liked it. Uh, would I go five out of five? I would debate going five out of five. I might go five out of five is my rating. Uh, okay, so let's move on to uh, television. So, uh, Cheers, season one. Cheers, season two. Under our belts. I say our because the missus and I are watching it. Yeah. She's uh, actually really uh, latched onto the show in a way that pleases me because it's definitely one of those comfort food, bingeable, tons of season shows. Um <laughs> let me tell you, let me give you a, a pro-life tip for uh, watching a non-stream, uh, a show not on stream. Now, we're lucky these days uh, in a lot of ways and unlucky also in a lot of ways, but lucky because when you stream television, uh, the, the, the various services will 
you know, with some degree of uh, finickiness from time to time, uh, be able to tell what episode you left off on. However, if you're watching things on DVD, or if you have uh, downloaded a bunch of episodes of something, totally illegally, I assume, and the devices that you are using either don't track or... Uh, you know, let's just leave it at that. If, if they don't track what episode you left off of, what you do is buy one of those little clicker, uh, uh, counter things, you know, that you see people holding usually by doors. Uh, I remember at fan expo, they was, I always have people by the door who every time someone entered, they would give a little click to count how many people would enter. So every time <coughs> the missus and I watch an episode, I give a little click. And I say, oh, we're on episode 13. I do still have to remember what season, but, uh, you know, usually I'm usually capable of that much of remembrance. That's my life pro tip for doing that. Um, all right. So I'm just looking at, yeah. So these are Diane years. I will say that, uh, I do in general prefer the Rebecca years. Um, but it's just, I don't think I've had, uh, and I know I spoke of this before. I, I used to, uh, on a semi-regular basis, you know, handful of times a year have jeans, uh, jeans. I, yeah, I still have jeans too. have dreams that took place in cheers. Uh, they wouldn't necessarily be super exciting. Like you're in an episode, but just sort of hanging around shooting the shit. Uh, you know, and I feel like that fact is a good indicator of its coziness, its coziness rather. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, okay. So, if, you know, we're doing pretty good here time-wise. I feel like I don't want to delve too much into individual episodes. Um, oh, wait. Okay. I've been, uh. Wait a second. Did we miss an episode? Oh, I think I missed an episode because I've been warning the misses about uh, Nick Tortelli. And I see he was in season two. Did I admit, did we miss him somehow? Shit. Okay. Well, he'll be back if we did. We're into season three now. Um, yeah, I think I might, we might've skipped an episode. Damn it. Shucks. Uh, cheers. Six out of five. Yeah. Here you go. Moving on to another good show, but one that is perhaps a little less cozy, although it's got some coziness, I suppose. Um, from 2022 Wednesday, Wednesday, if you prefer to say it, how it looks like it's spelled that weird, weird word, uh, a word that I often spell incorrectly on a first go, uh, not dissimilar to restaurant, which I can never spell. Uh, <laughs> the thing about Wednesday and restaurant in terms of words that I'm bad at spelling is like, I look at it and I know it's wrong, <laughs> but it's just, I don't always know what the right one is. Uh, dumb. follow Wednesday Adams year as a student when she attempts to master her emerging psychic ability fort and solve the mystery that embroiled her parents. Interesting. Yeah. So although we do get to see, uh, other members of the titular, I guess it's not titular in this case, Adams family, 
Um, they are, you know, uh, guest stars probably is how you could describe it. And the show is mostly focusing on Wednesday herself played, of course, by Jenna Ortega, who apparently is like a, a Disney actress, uh, you know, so has been a, would you consider that a child actress, I suppose. And I got to say, after watching this, I'm a fan. Yeah. Uh, I think I would. And who have we done this with? Uh, uh, uh Chloe Grace Moretz. Um, Emma Watson. Uh, those are the two I can remember off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's more. It's uh, young actresses. Mm, uh, again, can we put child? I, th I think she's actually 18 in this, but uh, we'll, so we'll just say young actresses uh, who are so good that I feel like are going to be around for a long time. You know, you know what I mean? And, uh, I think slash hope, uh, she falls into that category because she was very, uh, very good in this and inhabited the role. Now for the show itself, uh, also very much enjoyed, <laughs> uh, surprisingly the missus and I actually f flew through this, um, pretty quick. I only say surprisingly because, you know, although I have enjoyed, Adam's family related media over the years was a, you know, fan of the movies. They're still great. Actually, are they still great? I wonder if they hold up. I imagine they're pretty good. Um, oh yeah. I just have the IMDb open and I'm seeing, um, uh, what the hell is his name? Uncle Fester as played by, oh my God. Uh, Fred Armisen. Oh yeah. Okay. So that was a, 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 I, I memorize that. I remembered that. I didn't look it up. So that felt good. Uh, <laughs> you know how I remembered that? Okay. This is a, you know, a bit of a tangent, but we're here. And if you're listening to this, maybe you like a tangent. And if you're listening to this, why also why, um, in my backstory of a character that I plan to play in an upcoming campaign, Burgo, the autonome, Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, sorry. This is on the podcast. I'm on. I'm an idiot. Uh, where I play chest of fields. He's a, uh, bugbear bard and, uh, he was in a band. This is, you know, sort of from his backstory called, uh, Octarine Floyd. Uh, and one of the members of the band, the drummer was an autonome by the name of Armisen, huh? Like Fred Armisen, because that's what I named him after. Because uh, if you know, if you know things of Fred Armisen, uh, you know, if you, if you go deep on Fred Armisen, and I hope you do, you will know, uh, uh, you know, a drummer and a fan of drummers and tells good drummer related jokes as evidenced by an entire comedy special that I think is called jokes for drummers, which is, uh, you know, I'm not a drummer. I don't know a, a lot about drummer and I remember it being very funny. So what does that tell you? Uh, yeah. So he's uncle Fester in an episode or two. Um, so that's to like, what else is to like the fact that, uh, I feel like you don't know who the baddie is for the vast majority of the show. I mean, there'll come a time where you'll get ideas and maybe those ideals will come out, uh, you know, correct. However, um, you know, I don't want to say I'm good at being able to tell things in media, uh, what are going to happen, but quite often because I consume so much, that just happens to be the case. We actually talk about it on the podcast fairly often. The fact that I give things higher ratings when I am surprised by them. Um, the, the feeling of, 
uh, uh, watching a mystery and immediately guessing what's going to happen and then being proven right. Although that's, you know, kind of feels good. Uh, overall, I would rather have the opposite where the whole thing, I'm just in the dark and I have no idea what's going to happen. And over the course of the vast majority of this, uh, I had that, uh, I had that feeling. So, you know, yay, yay. Basically there was a few points and one episode in particular, I can't remember which number, I think it was like six, maybe somewhere in there that it kind of felt like this could be a few less episodes, <laughs> but I think the reason it felt that way is because they were doing things to potentially set up for other seasons. So they just sort of didn't feel like they were part of the story. Whereas uh, I, this is, you know, a hard thing to do, especially when they probably don't know if they're getting another season, that idea of maybe, you know, just, I was going to say pickling in, what is the word? It's not pickling spreading in throughout little tidbits of things that they could use in other seasons rather than devoting great swaths, including like what felt like an entire episode devoted to a potential next season. Yeah, that's the, there's, there's my one gripe, but other than that, very much enjoyed it. I'd go solid four to five. Yeah. With some fun five out of five moments and those kind of draggy two out of five moments from time to time. But, uh, the potential for another season definitely exists. And, uh, if it happens, I would watch it. I would watch it. Would it be in the school still? I wonder hmm. college perhaps interesting. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, check out Wednesday. All right. Uh, I think that's it for TV. I'm pretty sure let's move on to, yeah. Uh, move on to internets. Okay. So this is from a YouTube channel called Andy's take. <laughs> the video, very presumptuous title, but I like it. The all in capitals, best game of all time. Wow. Uh, final fantasy 10 ultimate analysis and review in 2021. This is a four and a half hour long video, <laughs> uh, that I watched the entirety of no less and greatly enjoyed. So, you know what that means? I bring it back here to the liberal cube and I talk about it with you, although you don't talk. Although you may talk, I just don't hear it. So that works. Uh, yeah. Uh, final fantasy 10 was the first final fantasy game I ever played. Uh, played the hell out of it. Really enjoyed it. Uh, never was able to find another final fantasy again that I did enjoy. I actually did play a fair amount of X two. Yeah. Make fun all you want. It's fine. Um, so, you know, this was a, a, a heaping, helping of nostalgia for me. Uh, and for that reason alone, you know, I like it. I like it. Uh, and he had a, a lot of cool tidbits, a lot of, uh, he, he clearly, you know, if you're going to do a four and a half hour long video on one video game, he clearly had done his research. Uh, and, and I appreciate deep dives like that, which is why I've also brought back from a YouTube channel on a similar vein from Skyrion, S K Y R I O N N video called the combined timeline complete half-life and portal story and lore. Yeah. So similar to that, although not focusing on one game, but focusing rather on, I was going to say one series, but two games, uh, two game series that take place in the same world, uh, which, you know what, uh, he mentioned this, I think at the beginning, but maybe some people don't know that half-life and portal actually exist and happen 
you know, in the same world. So he tries to take both, uh, series, which is, uh, Half-Life, Half-Life Opposing, and he's got the little list here right at, at the beginning, which is helpful. Half-Life, Half-Life Opposing Forth, Half-Life Blue Shift, Half-Life Decay, Half-Life 2, Half-Life 2 Episode 1, Half-Life 2 Episode 2, Half-Life Alex, Portal, Portal 2 and DLC, Lab Rat Comic, Aperture Desk Job. <sighs> I didn't need to take a deep breath at the end because I was done, but I did it anyways. Um, so he puts those in a, in a, what he assumes is a chronological order. Uh, I say assumes because he does freely admit that since they don't really mention purposely, don't mention dates and like half-life and Porto really, that he has put this in an order that he believes makes sense. And after watching this almost three hour long video, I can verify it does make sense. Yeah. Uh, Half-Life lore, very cool. Uh, I did do a Half-Life, uh, the first game long play, um, series. Uh, it was only three episodes cause it's not an incredibly long game by any means, but uh, one of the episodes was I think like seven hours long. So, you know, there's that. And you know what I could and may do uh, further Half-Life long plays in future. I'm definitely not ruling it out. Uh, I could do Poro as well. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah, that's, you know what? I'm going to actually make a note. Portal might be good for a librarian long play. Portal long play series. Raise voice at end to indicate question. Uh, yeah, maybe. Stranger Things of Alan. Like the television show, Stranger Things. Um, yeah, so uh, that's another one I'm going to uh, recommend. Uh, we've got uh, Adam Savage 2020 Fave Things. Oh, yeah, uh, the reason I wanted to add this in particular is because he did basically an episode of the LibraCube or, or a pre-episode 601 where I would have the segments. Oh, let's see if I can remember them. I'm sure I can. Uh, movie monologue, uh, television talk, book banter, game gabin, and internet intercourse. Those were the sections of the podcast originally when I first started and was doing an episode a day, which is why there's so many of these things. Basically, uh, it was movie Monday, TV Tuesday, book, Bo Wednesday, her video games day, uh, and fra internet day. Yeah. A little clumsy. But it was also called the lackadaisical liberal cubicleist. So the fact that my segments were also clumsy fit. Um, so for a uh, movie, he spoke of Midsomar, which is that actually came out a couple years ago, didn't it? Hmm. Um, and, and how he doesn't normally like horror films, but uh, this one sort of really hit him. Yeah, that makes sense. For television talk, he spoke of a one a show called Gaslit. I don't actually remember what that was. Um, Gaslit Thriller Series. What's it about? Oh, it's got Sean Penn. Oh, Julie Roberts. I've never even heard of this. Uh, American Political Thriller. Eh, you kind of lost me there. <laughs> okay, never mind. Uh... For book banter, he's got seven brief lessons in physics and the order of time by Rovelli, Bill Tippett. Oh, by Rovelli. And then I have another one here, Bill Tippett coffee book. Yeah, this, this, this one looks so cool that I actually put it on my 
Amazon wish list, although it's like 200 bucks, but it's very, very cool looking. Build Sipic Coffee Book. Guy who made Robocop models, among a million other things. I've got here in, in my notes. Ooh, actual notes. Uh, for his internet intercourse section, he's got You Must Remember This, which is a podcast. So there you go. And Game Gabin, he actually didn't have that segment. Sadness. He did have tools instead. So that would be tool talk, I suppose. Tool tales, even. Uh, he's got a jeweler's loop, a tape measure with glow-in-the-dark measurements on both sides. Uh, his dream uh, Dremel die grinder. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, and, you know, just in general, check out Adam Savage on YouTube. Uh, okay, so I've got a few more things here. Uh, Orange Dream, which is a YouTube channel that does rest videos, but does them in even, probably even more relaxing than Wiljam, who's another uh, sort of famous rust YouTuber. But uh, Orange Dream really cranks up the relaxation almost ASMR like to the max. Um, and the most recent episode, uh, which yeah, he, he spoke of how he's going to drop like a, basically a full length movie that will be, uh, he basically used the phrase unlike any rust movie you've ever seen. So by the time this drops, that'll be out. So, <coughs> Oh God, excuse me. I've been talking for a long time with nothing to drink. Um, so <laughs> go check that out. Uh, it should be out by now. I'm very curious myself what it's going to be. That's a perfect uh, sort of the, the times when I watch the super relaxing ones are either before bed or uh, after work before the missus gets home sort of thing. Just really second zone out and get my chillax on. So yay, orange dream. Uh, never not viney, uh, thrown out a crap ton of videos lately. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, I've spoken of them on the podcast in the past. Uh, never not funny is a podcast and never not viney, uh, takes sort of, uh, clips from that and then, um, jams them all together in a humorous manner and, uh, throws them out on YouTube for us. So that's nice. Um, uh, it's interesting because he hadn't done it for a while. And I feel like maybe a bunch of his videos must have got like copyright strikes or something because, uh, they would always end with like, uh, on the podcast, they would either mention a lyric or start singing. And then the video w would end with that singing sort of transitioning into the actual song. And if you're <laughs> at all familiar with YouTube, you can't really post the songs of other people, uh, on your YouTube because they don't like that. Yeah. What are the odds? What? are the odds uh okay so i think la oh, oh no uh, two more um mighty nine two shot yeah that was cool so uh the good folks over at critical role uh over the holiday uh, holidays got australian on that word for some reason i'm tired man Whew, so tired uh they decided to bust out their old uh, characters from campaign two to sort of see where are they now and uh wrap up one of you know there's probably more they could uh, tug on one of the loose threads from uh campaign two uh specifically revolving around Fakodo. Fakodo. uh so that was cool to see them back at it again <laughs> the one uh interesting thing is the, of that is I feel like they remember how to play and I think this makes sense what I'm about to say. 
I think they remember how to play their characters more from an RP perspective than they do from a rules perspective, which I suppose makes sense. Like, do you get more? Does one, and uh, you you could probably go both ways on this. So I'll, I'll rephrase this question differently. Do you get more attached to your uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons or any RP game uh, character uh, for their RP or for the, th- the the abilities that they have. It's probably a combination of the both, but I would lean probably more towards uh, RP and personality uh, as to why you, the, what sort of makes them memorable, memorable in the long term. Interesting thought, I suppose. Speaking of D&D, we're going to end with uh, just a brief talk of my annual in-person D&D one-shot that uh, me and my old group did. Uh, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago from my perspective now. Um, we did it every year for four or five years, somewhere in there. And then, for some strange reason, took a couple of years off. I don't know why. It's almost like the gathering of a group of people might not be such a good idea. Huh. Anyways, uh, so we got back into it again this year, you know, all fully <clears throat> vaxxed and boosted and stuff. So I felt uh, safe enough to do so. And got to say, it was nice to play in person again. Been a long time, been a long time. Um, the, uh, the person who ran it was actually my original, uh, from way back in the day DM. Uh, and he had, uh, an idea for a mystery, uh, a sort of, uh, not really a mystery, I guess it would be a, although there was mysterious elements, a, a manhunt. Yeah. I, I guess that's how you would describe it. So, uh, you know, the, the TLDR of the story is there's this, uh, evil dude who had wronged each of our characters in some way. Um, oh, you know what? I'm going to bring up my character. Um, and uh, we had to sort of track down this guy, uh, find him, and uh, bring him to justice one way or the other. We went with the kill him mode. <laughs> yeah, we just killed him basically as soon as we uh, discovered him, as you do. Uh, okay, so I played Dr. Gonzo, which is a nod to the Dr. Gonzo from, you know, Fear and Loathing. He was a rock no monk, level five. Hmm, interesting. Uh... Okay, let's end by, uh, uh, reading his backstory. Not a long one, just a, just a little one. Uh, the DM asked for, you know, just a couple of paragraphs. So, <laughs> because normally, uh, long time listeners of this, if you exist, first of all, love you, know that, uh, I quite often write a very long backstory. So this is a, a short one that we will end on. Um, and I always make that sound before I read them. Mm Mm-hmm. Del Toro was an undercover cop, a.k.a. city guard, who at first took drugs reluctantly so as not to blow his cover. He then did more and more, telling himself it was to get into the mind of those I'm trying to stop. Finally, he was doing them because the drugs told him to do so. The drugs gave him a monk-like focus, and eventually, okay, just on the note of monk-like focus, uh, let me read, um, 
His flu he would do a bump of cocaine to initiate his flurry of blows. Uh, if he did step of the wind, he'd take a hit of speed. Uh, heroin for patient defense, make him sort of, you know, fluidy, fluidic, harder to hit. Okay, back to the story. Back to the story. The drug, the drugs gave him a monk-like focus, and eventually he became one with the drugs. And when he was fired for interrogating a suspect so brutally that they never recovered, he became what he originally set out to stop, a drug dealer. Stories of, of his exploits became known in certain circles, and his erratic behavior earned him the nickname Dr. Gonzo. When his wife left him and took their young boy with her, his mind snapped, and he ended up eventually fixating on Lavalin the Tamer as a source of his lost child, even though that happened decades prior. So, uh, sorry, it was Levelin the Tamer. He was the, the, the person we were man-tracking. Uh, Dr. Gonzo, as Dr. Gonzo sees it, it is not the selling of drugs that lost him his family, but it is the drugs that will save them. He believes the drugs are opening his mind in new and exciting ways, and they have given him the sources of intel and funds needed to hunt down this child-endangering menace, no matter what the cost. Is Dr. Gonzo? Folks, we did it. That's an episode. Hey. Hey there, hi there, ho there. Oh, what was his name? Pinciotti. Uh, what was his first name? <sighs> I'll tell you what. Wherever you're listening to this, throw it in the comments. Pinciotti from That 70 Show, what is his first name? And the first person to do so gets a prize. Will it be the prize of knowing you're the first to get it right? Probably. Probably. It's nice to be nice to the nice. That was the podcast.